This is a trigger warning that the following podcast talks about eating disorders. There are also references to depression. If this affects you, please see the show notes for resources. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow, we're on to episode 20. Hello! How is everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Eat With Ali podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about different types of eating disorders. So what we're going to talk about is what an eating disorder is, how eating disorders are diagnosed, signs of an eating disorder, causes of an eating disorder, common types of eating disorders, as well as their physical and behavioral symptoms. So today's episode is more going to be a bit more of an educational one, because first of all, we've got to learn something new every day, as they say. And as I was researching for this episode, there's a lot I didn't know more about eating disorders that I haven't experienced personally. And so I feel like it'd be really good if we learn more about each other. And with that, maybe if there's someone you suspect may have an eating disorder, this episode will say different types of signs and symptoms to look out for. So this will then come in handy when you're trying to help support someone if that's what you do. But of course, disclaimer, this episode is not to self-diagnose for yourself or somebody else. But it's just to help give some suggestions of things to look out for. And of course, you know, I have other episodes as to how to approach and support someone with an eating disorder and also how to help yourself, of course. So just throughout this episode, keep in mind that this episode is not to self-diagnose, but to pass on more knowledge and continue encouraging the mindset of feeling safe to talk about eating disorders and of course, to feel heard and supported. So if you're looking for any medical advice, please go see a medical professional. Okay. Now, before I get into all of that, guess what happened to me this week? <laughs> wow, aren't you just clever? Yes, I got COVID on my birthday week. So that, ow, so that was super fun. I don't know if you heard that, but I just banged my knee. Anyway, yes, I got COVID on my birthday week. And all I can say is that I still had a lovely and wonderful day. And I'm so grateful to be feeling a bit better now. So I happened to avoid COVID the whole entire pandemic up until last week. And of course it happens to be my birthday week. And look, as frustrating as it originally was thinking, I can't go to that restaurant I wanted to go to. Oh my gosh, end of the world. No, it is not the end of the world. I'm grateful that I am recovering and I'm feeling so much better than I did last week. Oh, and quick question. 
what was everyone's symptoms? I'm so curious because it was pretty tough for me some of the days. Like one of the nights, I woke up and I covered myself in... So I had my jumper on, then I had a nightgown on, and then I had two layers of blankets, and then I put two oodies on top of me, and then turned on the heater because I was suddenly absolutely freezing, and I was shaking and teeth chattering the whole the whole lot. But the weird thing is, is that my body was physically very hot. So it was like I had a temperature, but I was physically very hot. <laughs> of course I was. No, but yeah, it was very odd and. It took me quite a while to settle and stop teeth chattering and body shaking and go back to sleep. But I did it, so I'm okay now. But besides that, I had a killer headache. It was honestly so painful. I was coughing, sneezing, experiencing the worst body pains. Like if I moved, it just hurt and I felt so uncomfortable and yucky. But yeah, so I had a few days where it was just really, really rough and then it settled down and I'm at the stage now. I'm still in isolation at the moment where some days it's worse than others and then some days it's like, okay. So today is one of those days where it's okay, but can't say I'm 100% better, although I'm so much better than last week. And in saying that to the people that are struggling with COVID or a sickness or anything right now, I'm sending all of my love and health and support and kindness to you because... It is tough and some people may be experiencing even heavier symptoms and just doing it rough. And so I'm thinking of you and hope that you will be feeling better soon. But yes, so my birthday was spent in isolation, but honestly, it was such a great and wholesome and happy day. It was very relaxing and I just spent it with my boyfriend and I couldn't have asked for a better day, honestly. So although I might have been spending the majority of the day coughing, I'm just happy and grateful to have spent it with the ones that I care about. So, thank you. I had a lovely day and the restaurants can wait for when I'm better. So to say what I'm proud of myself for this week, especially on the days where COVID was really hot and heavy for me, I still meditated. Woo! It was so rough some of the days. Like one of the sessions I had to do it lying down because I had a... I can't quite say an ice pack, but frozen veggies or whatever was frozen in our freezer on my head the whole day because the headache was just so intense and it wouldn't stop. And so, yeah, I just kept switching out whatever was frozen in my freezer every five, ten minutes or so because it kept defrosting really fast. So I've learned that I will be definitely investing in an ice pack as soon as I have recovered and am out of isolation. So yes, it was quite a struggle to find the power to meditate because my head just hurt very badly. But I knew that meditation makes me feel so much better. And after I meditated, I felt so much better mentally. Maybe not physically with the headache, but yeah. We're not always going to have motivation to do the things that we want to do or that we should be doing. So I feel like it's really important to remember like why you were doing these things so for me with the meditation I'm like oh my gosh it helps me feel less anxious it makes me feel more calm and rational you've heard me say it and so I was thinking about all of those reasons and it helped me remember why I meditate every day for so long and why I should keep doing it even if I'm not feeling the most motivated at the moment 
So I did it and I felt so much better after. It's like when you go to exercise and you may not want to exercise at the point of time. And then afterwards you're like, I feel happy, happy endorphins, happy life, happy me. Moral of the story is even if you're not feeling the most motivated, that is okay. We're not always going to feel motivated. So it is more important to think about why and why it's good for you and why it should be done. So so remember, we're not always going to have motivation. So you have to peel back that onion layer and find deeper meaning behind doing what it is that you have to do. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm feeling so much better today and I'm so glad that I'm recovering from COVID. And I'm grateful to have had a nice birthday. And I'm, of course, happy and grateful to be here right now recording another episode of the Eat With Ali podcast. And after this, I will probably pass out and go to sleep. So it'll be night-night forever for the night. Anyways, let's get into today's episode. Keep in mind throughout it that this is not to self-diagnose, but to educate and be able to look out for some warning signs and symptoms. But even if you experience some of these signs or symptoms, or maybe you know someone that experiences these, doesn't necessarily mean that it's linked to an eating disorder. But it's always good to have a conscious mind and to be aware of what might be up. Also, a big thank you to Healthline.com and McLeanHospital.org. They provided great information for today's episode, so thank you for that. And with that, let's get into today's episode. So, first of all, what is an eating disorder? Eating disorders are the development of unhealthy eating habits that are caused by a range of psychological conditions. Some of these psychological conditions can include obsessions with food, body shape or body weight. People with an eating disorder will prioritize their body weight and appearance over their health. And how they see themselves physically most often does not reflect reality. People with eating disorders may try to control, quote unquote control by the way, their food or overexercise or develop rituals surrounding their mealtimes. They may also refuse to eat around others. So how are eating disorders diagnosed? Healthcare professionals look for many warning signs, including the individual having an obsession with weight loss, their appearance, or unhealthy eating patterns. If the individual avoids eating certain food groups or avoids being at specific food environments, like a restaurant. They look for warning signs emotionally, like being withdrawn or irritable. And physically, they look for problems with temperature regulation, sleep, teeth, hair, vital signs, fainting, muscle weakness, nails, or difficulty to concentrate. They look for abnormal lab results, which includes hormone levels, white blood cell counts, nutrient deficiencies, or anemia. And of course, the health professionals probably have more warning signs that they look for, or different ways to look for whether or not someone has an eating disorder. But those are just a few examples. So also, if an eating disorder becomes more advanced, the health issues also become more severe. So then the health professionals may look for more severe problems, including heart problems, severe stomach pain or rupture, bacterial infections, nausea, blocked intestines, vomiting, blood sugar irregularities, undigested food, sleep apnea, kidney failure, and more. So what are signs of an eating disorder then? When I'm talking about the specific different types of eating disorders in a bit, I will also give specific examples of physical and behavioural symptoms to look out for when I talk about it. But the following list are common signs that people may have an eating disorder. Thank you again to Healthline for the following list. So some mental and behavioural signs to look out for include dramatic weight loss, concern about eating in public, 
preoccupation with weight, food, calories, fat grams or dieting, complaints of constipation, cold intolerance, abdominal pain or feeling lethargic. Other signs to look out for include excuses to avoid mealtime, intense fear of gaining weight or being fat, dressing in layers to hide weight loss or to stay warm, severely limiting and restricting the amounts and types of food consumed, refusing to eat certain foods, denying feeling hungry, expressing a need to burn off calories, constantly weighing themselves, patterns of binge eating and purging, developing rituals around food, excessively exercising, cooking meals for others without eating, and missing menstrual periods for those that typically menstruate. Now, other physical signs to look out for include having stomach cramps and other gastrointestinal symptoms, difficulty concentrating, atypical lab results, which includes anemia, low thyroid levels, low hormone levels, low potassium, low blood cell counts, and slow heart rate. Other signs include dizziness, fainting, feeling cold all the time, sleep irregularities, menstrual irregularities, calluses across the top of the finger joints, which is a sign of induced vomiting, having dry skin, having dry, thin nails, thinning hair, muscle weakness, poor wound healing, and poor immune system function. I was reading that list and thinking, oh my goodness, I had a lot of those. It's interesting though as well, because at the time... oh. Okay, look, so I was going to say that when I had an eating disorder, my nails were absolutely putrid. They were wrecked. Like, they were super thin and just interesting looking and feeling. But at the same time, I was getting done my nails constantly. I don't do that anymore. Maybe on a special occasion I will go and do it. But yeah, I don't do that anymore. So luckily and thankfully, my nails have healed. So... I mean, it was probably a mixture of both, me getting my nails done and also the fact that I had an eating disorder. But yeah, I guess it's it's quite interesting to realize just how much your eating disorder can actually affect your life. Like, uh, to think you started off thinking, or at least I did thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be skinny. I'm going to like myself. Hallelujah. To completely the opposite, plus a lot of physical burdens and mental burdens. So... Moral of the story is to not trust your eating disorder, who obviously wants bad. Anywho, that is just a few things to look out for as signs that someone may have an eating disorder. Now, what causes an eating disorder? The exact cause is unknown. But many doctors do believe that it's a combination of genetic, physical, social and psychological factors that may contribute to the development of an eating disorder. So some examples of what can cause eating disorders include media and the environment, emotional health, peer pressure, life changes, age, family history, excessive dieting, psychological health and extracurricular activities. I'll explain each of those a bit more. So with media and the environment, the media has a big influence on how people view attractiveness. I love that that is changing now and we are becoming way more inclusive, but the media does have a big influence on how people view being a certain body size or being thin or being fit. Keep in mind, by the way, that all of these points is not blaming anyone. Not the media, not peer pressure, not your emotional or mental health either. 
Just like with anything, there is always influences. However, at the end of the day, it comes down to the person itself that makes the decisions. So there will always be influences, but it just, it does depend on the ones that you choose to take. Anyways, as the media is a huge influence and a lot of us spend a lot of time on the internet or watching movies, TV shows, going on social media, there are influences everywhere and many people do struggle to find coping mechanisms for what they see online. So if they don't like how they look or it doesn't meet beauty standards that they're viewing online, it can lead to eating disorders. So it's good to be aware, by the way, with all of these different ways that can cause an eating disorder. You can actually try to do something if you're more aware of where the source may have come from. So someone's emotional health can also be a cause of an eating disorder. So low emotional health can make it more likely to lead to an eating disorder. So whether it's having anxiety, having depression, having fights with loved ones, or having difficulty relationships, these can all lead to having an eating disorder. Peer pressure can also help cause an eating disorder. So this peer pressure could be bullying and it can also be like a friendly pressure. So maybe a friend is trying to encourage you to eat less or maybe you're being bullied. Let's hope not. But you're being bullied for being quote unquote too big or fat. Either way, it can influence to an eating disorder. Another cause includes life events, whether or not they're good or they're bad. So on the good side to things, if someone's starting like a new school, maybe their wedding's coming up or they've got a big party, they're going on a holiday, it can lead to eating disorders because they want to look their best. On the other hand, maybe someone's experiencing a divorce, switching jobs, going through tough times in any friendships or relationships, that it leads to stress and anxiety, which leads to trying to find comfort in food or finding distractions in food, which then leads to eating disorders. Even dieting too quickly can lead to an eating disorder as control over a person's thought or their approach to food can be lost. And also because depending on the diet, meals can be skipped. And with the attempts to try to eat clean, there can be very severe calorie restrictions. So it's very beneficial to try to see a dietitian if you are wanting to go on a diet. I don't like the word diet personally. I like the word and the meaning behind healthy lifestyle. So try that rather than a diet. At least I do. Another cause for an eating disorder includes people that struggle with substance addiction. Studies show that people who use drugs and alcohol are significantly likelier to develop a food-related disorder. Also, underlying psychological or mental health problems may also contribute to an eating disorder. So this includes things like having low self-esteem, having depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, troubled relationships, and impulse behavior. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. 
Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Can confirm that majority of those psychological health related signs I experienced. So things can get better, I am telling you. But you need to put in the work and the effort and the consistency to get rid of that shit because it is tolling. It's also said that specific sport teams and artistic groups can actually lead to an increased risk of developing an eating disorder. There is also an increased risk for members of communities that are driven by their appearance, which determines their social status. So this includes athletes, actors, dancers, models and television personalities. Of course, not everyone that may be in these fields experience eating disorders or are influenced to have an eating disorder. However, it is more common in these fields. So now that we know a bit more about eating disorders in general, let's get into the specifics. I'm going to talk about six common eating disorders. So buckle up. Number one on our list is anorexia nervosa. Generally, it develops during adolescence or young adulthood. People with anorexia generally view themselves as being overweight, even if, first of all, they're not. But even if they are severely underweight, people that struggle with anorexia tend to constantly monitor their weight, avoid eating certain food groups, and severely strict their calorie intake. So in saying that, common symptoms include having very restricted eating patterns, having an intense fear of weight gain or persistent behaviours to avoid gaining weight despite being dangerously underweight. Another symptom includes having a relentless pursuit of thinness and unwillingness to maintain a healthy weight. Also having their self-esteem being heavily influenced by their body weight or perceived body shape. Another symptom includes having a distorted body image, including denying being seriously underweight. Also keep in mind that weight is not the major focus for a diagnosis with someone that has anorexia. This is because... People that are categorized as being overweight or being a normal healthy weight can also have these same risks. 
So a person may meet the criteria for being anorexic but not be underweight despite significant weight loss. Obsessive-compulsive symptoms are also often associated with those that have anorexia. So this includes people may be preoccupied with constant thoughts about food or obsessively collect recipes or hoard food. They may also find it difficult to eat in public and have a strong desire to control their environment, which does limit their ability to be spontaneous. Anorexia is also categorized into two subtypes. So there's the restricting type and then there's the binge eating and the purging type. So individuals that are part of the restricting type lose weight solely through dieting, fasting or excessive exercise. Those that binge eat and purge may eat large amounts of food or eat a minimum amount of food. However, they both end up purging the food. This can be done by vomiting, taking laxatives or diuretics or excessively exercising. It's important not to assume based specifically on someone's weight whether or not they have anorexia. It's more effective to look at common signs. Some behavioural symptoms include making frequent comments about feeling fat, feeling overweight or feeling unattractively shaped or feeling ugly. Another behavioural symptom includes voicing common complaints about having abdominal pain, gastric distress, poor sleep, anxiety or feeling cold and also refusing to eat certain food groups, having concerns about eating in public or avoiding making plans with others that involves food. Physical symptoms include having the inability to maintain a healthy body weight, feeling dizzy or faint, developing dry skin, dry and brittle nails, and brittle or thinning hair. Brittle, by the way, means that it's easily breakable. Another physical sign includes growing fine hair all over the body, which is called lanugo. And another physical symptom includes healing unusually slow from wounds or getting sick really easily and not recovering quickly. Keep in mind that people could be either hiding their symptoms or they don't have all of these symptoms. Either way, it does not necessarily mean that someone doesn't have anorexia in the same way that a person may experience some of these symptoms but don't have anorexia. These are just potential symptoms. At the, the second thing, eating disorder we're going to talk I about is not a dietitian. Or bulimia also tends you know. to develop so what i share today does come from reliable sources however, just however the same as anorexia does not mean that doesn't mean you shouldn't see a gp develop it or a psychologist or a dietitian so individuals that see them bulimia, for usually these people are to be seen for health related advice of time in my podcast they usually continue to share ways that you until they become help painfully by taking full. part of different habits they and behaviors feel like they however stop eating i'm not going to say take 10 panadols a day because obviously and usually the individuals and try to eat and i also don't have food that they would usually that avoid. type of advice however okay, so that's not always i'm the all case. for self-love i'm all for taking action so then after i'm all for healthy habits portion of food they will then i don't have an purge to compensate health related and advice. they will do this to compensate the calories okay. consumed and also to relieve gut discomfort so purging can include forced vomiting fasting diuretics anemas laxatives and excessive exercise so common symptoms of bulimia include having recurrent episodes of binge eating with a feeling of a lack of control. Also having recurrent episodes of inappropriate purging behaviours to prevent weight gain. Another symptom includes having their body shape and their weight as an influence of their self-esteem. And also having a fear of weight gain despite having a typical weight. Side effects include having an inflamed and sore throat, having worn tooth enamel, having swollen salivary glands, having tooth decay, having an irritation of the gut, acid reflux, severe dehydration and hormonal disturbances. 
When it becomes more severe, bulimia can create an imbalance in the levels of electrolytes, which includes sodium, potassium, and calcium. So bulimia behavioral symptoms include exhibiting mood swings and emotional overreactions to what seem like small issues. <laughs> How did they know? Another behavioral symptom includes making comments or showing behaviors that indicate hard dieting and a desire for weight loss. Another symptom includes using food rituals, avoiding eating in public or with others, and skipping meals. Another symptom includes stealing or hoarding food. Also exhibiting out-of-control eating or secretive eating. I did both. Another symptom includes disappearing after a meal, often to go to the toilet, but not always. This is something that I would definitely look out for especially, at least based on my own experiences, because... I dead set always worried that someone would pick up that I'm constantly going to the toilet after every meal. So, yeah, that was one of my fears because I knew that it was a pattern that I did and I needed to do. Another behavioral symptom is relying on laxatives and relying on mouthwash, mints and gum to freshen up their breath due to the sour smell from the stomach acid from vomiting the meal back up. Physical symptoms include having stained or discolored teeth, cavities and swelling in the jaw. Another is to show unnatural bloating, having fine hair growing all over the body, experiencing weakness, fatigue, problems regulating temperature, fainting and poor sleep. Another symptom includes showing dry and brittle hair and nails. Another is experiencing menstrual issues, including loss of period or irregular period. And another physical symptom is healing unusually slow and exhibiting poor immune function. So having bulimia can be extremely dangerous. So if you notice any of these signs, or maybe you notice someone you care about is experiencing these type of symptoms, it would be extremely beneficial to go and see a health professional to assist you with this because you are loved and need to look after yourself and your health. The next eating disorder we're going to talk about is the binge eating disorder. Binge eating disorder is when you eat an unusually large amount of food in a short period of time. Those that have binge eating disorder don't restrict calories or use purging behaviors, which is like the vomiting or the excessive exercising or the laxatives, in order to compensate for their binges. So common symptoms of binge eating include eating large amounts of food rapidly and in secret or until feeling uncomfortably full despite not even feeling hungry. Another symptom is feeling a lack of control during episodes of the binge eating. Feelings of distress such as guilt, shame or disgust when thinking about the binge eating behaviours. And another symptom is not compensating for the binge eating, which is not taking part of the purging behaviours, which is like the calorie restriction, the excessive exercise, the vomiting, the laxatives or the diuretic use. Binge eaters are at risk of medical complications because they are having very large amounts of food that are not usually nutritional choices. So this is when it becomes possible to lead to type 2 diabetes as an example. So behavioral symptoms of binge eating disorder include showing discomfort when eating around other people, feeling worthless or disgusting, rescheduling or refusing to make plans that include eating with groups or even family members, having low self-esteem most or all of the time, scheduling life around binge eating sessions, stealing food, hoarding food or consuming large amounts of food at one time and often it's in secret. Another behavioural symptom includes engaging in short-lived fads or crash diets 
but barely sticking to food-restrictive behaviours. Physical symptoms include experiencing weight fluctuations, and these weight fluctuations can sometimes be very extreme. Other physical symptoms include having constipation, acid reflux, abdominal crampings, and other gastrointestinal complaints. Another physical symptom includes having difficulty to concentrate. It's also important to remember, just like all of the other eating disorders, that it is very common for people with an eating disorder to try and hide their symptoms to avoid having to recover. So not all of these symptoms may be visible to the eye, but does not mean that someone's not struggling with it. Our next eating disorder to talk about is pica. This involves eating things that is not actually considered food and therefore provide no nutritional value. So people with pica crave non-food substances. So this includes ice, soil, chalk, soap, dirt, paper, cloth, hair, wool, pebbles, laundry detergent and cornstarch. And pica also commonly occurs as an adult, a child or an adolescent. Pica is also frequently seen in individuals that have conditions that affect their daily functioning. So this includes intellectual disabilities and developmental conditions. So this is such as autism spectrum disorder and mental health conditions including schizophrenia. There's the increased risk of poisoning, infections, gut injuries and nutritional deficiencies for individuals that have pica. So it's very important that we look out for one another and we look out for each other's health, well-being and happiness. And these are all so crucial for us and our loved ones. For everyone. Alright, so our next eating disorder is called rumination disorder. This is when a person regurgitates food that they have previously chewed or swallowed. So after they've done this, they then re-chew it and then either re-swallow it or spit it out. And this rumination period occurs within the first 30 minutes after a meal typically. So rumination disorder can actually develop during infancy, childhood or adulthood. During infancy, it tends to develop between the ages of 3 and 12 months of age and often disappears on its own. Although children and adults with the condition usually require therapy to resolve the disorder. If the disorder is not resolved during infantry, it can result in weight loss and severe malnutrition that can be fatal. And for adults, they may restrict the amount of food that they eat, especially in public. And then this may lead to weight loss and therefore leads to them becoming underweight. So some signs and symptoms include having effortless regurgitation, having abdominal pain or pressure that is relieved by regurgitation, also having a feeling of fullness, having bad breath, having nausea and having unintentional weight loss. Another sign is having chapped lips and speaking of bad breath, also having tooth decay, so dental problems. And our last common type of eating disorder is avoidant slash restrictive food intake disorder, which is also known as ARFID for short. Not sure if it's a tongue twister, I'm just really tired, but ARFID, AFRID, ARFID, ARFID. Anyways, ARFID is actually the name of an old eating disorder. So the previous term was known as feeding disorder of infancy and early childhood, which was a diagnosis that was previously reserved for children under the age of seven. So although many children go through phases of having picky or selective eating habits, when a person has avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, it means they're not consuming enough calories to grow and develop properly. 
and for adults it means that they're not able to maintain basic body functions. And this is when individuals experience disturbed eating due to having either a lack of interest in eating or having a distaste for the certain smells, tastes, colours, textures or temperatures. So common symptoms include avoiding or restricting food intake, preventing the person from eating enough calories or nutrients. Another symptom is having eating habits that interfere with typical social functions, which includes eating with others. Another symptom is having weight loss or having poor development for their age and height. And another symptom is having nutrient deficiencies or dependence on supplements or tube feeding. Keep in mind that this is more than a toddler being a picky eater or an adult having a lower intake of food. So specifically, behavioural and psychological signs and symptoms of ARFID includes having dramatic weight loss, dressing in layers to hide weight loss or to stay warm, having frequent constipation, abdominal pain, lethargy, and even having excessive energy. Another sign is to have gastrointestinal issues, especially around mealtimes. Another sign is having dramatic restriction in types or amount of the food eaten. Another sign is only eating certain textures of food, having the fear of choking or vomiting, having a lack of appetite or interest in food. Another sign is having a very limited range of preferred food, that becomes smaller over time. And another sign is having no body image disturbance or fear of weight gain. Physical signs include having gastrointestinal complaints such as constipation, acid reflux, and also having stomach cramps. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Another sign is having menstrual irregularities. So this is when there are missing periods or having periods only when on hormonal contraceptives. Another sign is having difficulties to concentrate, feeling dizzy, feeling faint, feeling cold all the time, having sleep problems, having dry and brittle nails and skin, having thinning hair, muscle weakness, and poor wound hearing. Also impaired immune functioning. All right, and now that we've talked about some of the common eating disorders, there are also less common eating disorders that are out there so to name a few this includes purging disorder night eating syndrome and other specified feeding or eating disorder which is osfed for short so purging disorders is when an individual takes part in purging behaviors you know which is the vomiting the laxatives the diuretics to control their weight or shape however they do not binge Night eating syndrome is when an individual frequently eats excessively at night time. And this usually happens after awakening from sleep. And other specified feeding or eating disorder is not found in the DSM-5, which by the way is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition. Anyways, but OSFED is not found in the DSM-5. However, this category includes any other condition that have symptoms similar to those of an eating disorder, 
although it does not fit into any of the disorders we have talked about today. An example of OSFED is orthorexia. Orthorexia is being mentioned a lot more recently in the media and with scientists. However, the DSM has not recognized it as a separate eating disorder as of yet. So individuals that have orthorexia tend to have an obsessive focus on healthy eating and this obsessiveness affects their daily lives. So an example could be compulsively checking ingredients lists and nutritional labels. Also obsessively following health accounts on social media. Individuals that have orthorexia may eliminate entire food groups as they fear it's unhealthy. And by eliminating certain food groups, this can lead to having malnutrition, difficulty eating in outside settings like not at your home, having severe weight loss and having emotional distress. And their focus is not usually on losing weight. It's more focused on their self-worth and their identity. And depending on how well they're able to follow their self-imposed diet rules, they will either be satisfied with themselves or not. So now that we've talked about all the different eating disorders and their signs and symptoms, it can be very helpful to be aware of these different signs and symptoms. So you can decide whether or not you may need to reach out to a health professional and seek help. Because the sooner you're able to identify that you have an eating disorder, the sooner you can hopefully try to recover and the sooner you can start getting back on track and loving yourself and your body and mind. So no, not every individual is going to experience all of the different signs and symptoms at once. But these behaviours are something to look out for because it can signal that there is a problem that needs to be faced. So this includes having behaviours and symptoms that indicate weight loss, dieting and control over food are a primary concern. Also having preoccupation with weight, calories, grams, fats, food and dieting. Also refusing to eat certain food groups, having discomfort with eating around others, skipping meals or only eating very small portioned meals, having food rituals, this includes not letting specific foods touch each other on the plate, or eating only particular food groups, also having frequent dieting or fad diets, having an extreme concern with your body weight, shape or size and appearance, also frequently checking the mirror to put yourself down or looking at flaws and your appearance, and having extreme mood swings. And it can be extremely difficult to reach out and try to get support for having an eating disorder. So I would definitely recommend listening to episode 10 of the Eat With Ali podcast, of course, which is all about why you should tell someone about your eating disorder. To give you more inspiration as to why it can actually be beneficial, because I know it's very hard to see it in a different light, especially if you've kept it a secret for so long, because, I mean, maybe on one side, you know deep down that this eating disorder isn't good for you, which is why you're trying to hide it from everyone. Or you could be trying to hide it because you don't want to lose that sense of control that you feel like you get when you maybe restrict or you take the food back out of you. Maybe you've become reliant on your eating disorder and you're scared to have to let it go. Maybe you're at a stage where you still believe that your eating disorder is there to support you. Either way, I understand that it's very difficult to try and open up to someone and talk about your eating disorder. But it is also essential for recovery. You need to be able to acknowledge what needs to be changed to then change it. And don't worry, I literally cried for about three hours before I was able to say I have an eating disorder, I have bulimia. It took a very long time and hey, it felt better after and hey, look at me now. And I can't wait for you to say that too. But yes, if I was not able to acknowledge that something needed to be faced, 
I couldn't have a conversation about it and then I couldn't do anything about it. And I realized that something needed to be done about it besides the fact that I kept it secret because I deep down knew my eating disorder was not a good thing to have. But I started reflecting on my own life and acknowledging all of my signs and symptoms. Like always reacting at little things. Always eating humongous portions and then eating even more in secret. Always being at the toilet after every meal. Having extremely low self-esteem. Fearing any sort of weight gain. Making sure I always had mouth spray or mints on me. And always feeling tired and weak and dizzy. And these are just to name a few. So if I wasn't able to reflect on what I noticed had changed about me since I had an eating disorder, I, I don't think I would have realized how much had actually changed in my life and the way I saw myself and how I felt. Because until I started self-reflecting, I only acknowledged that the number on the scale had gone down. And that's what I focused on for so long and that's what I prioritized for so long. So it was very important for me to self-reflect because without it, I would have never done anything about it because my eating disorder was telling me to prioritize being skinny over my mental and physical health which was not helpful at the slightest and just remember that you might not experience all of these symptoms however these are common ones that people with eating disorders do experience so whether you experience all of these or maybe even none of these and you feel like there's some sort of help that you need then please go and see a health professional, whether it's your doctor or a psychologist, just someone that you know is going to be there to support you, which they're obviously there for. And for emotional and motivational support, I'm here too. Because here at the Eat With Ali family, we all support each other and make sure we all feel heard. We're a loving support group. Anyways, that's enough from me today. I am about to hit the hay. I am exhausted. I honestly don't know how I've made it through this episode, but I, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you learnt more today about other eating disorders and also maybe even about yours if you have one. It may help you help yourself and also possibly help someone else if you notice some of these symptoms in anyone. Whilst, of course, keeping in mind that just because some of the symptoms are there doesn't necessarily mean that someone has an eating disorder. And also, if some of the signs aren't shown or visible, doesn't mean that they don't have an eating disorder. So if you need help in how to actually approach and support someone with an eating disorder, listen to episode seven. But either way, your knowledge has expanded today. Brava, proud of you. I know you got a kind and caring heart, otherwise you would not be listening to me yap on. So in saying that, I know that you would be a loving support to people that you care about and also hopefully yourself too. So thank you for listening. Love you all so much. Can't wait to talk to you next week. And remember... Remember, remember to eat with Allie.